Sylvia Schneider and Diana Balbar with Equinely Inclined, the equine podcast for the internet horse community, episode 198, The Training Adventures of Rod Olson and Chris Monroe, recorded on March 19, 2020, brought to you in part by Pondside Digital Media with online strategy consulting and advising by sylviaschneider.ca. And this episode is also brought to you by you, our listeners, through your generous monthly support. Thank you for that support. Hi, I'm Sylvia Schneider. And I'm Diana Belbar. This episode will include... A look into Diana and Sylvia's crazy lives. No, duh. An introduction to horse enthusiasts from a meetup in San Diego, California. Huh, and COVID-19. Some things to think about. Making the discipline of eventing safer. Adventures of Rod Olson's training sessions. Chris Monroe's session, Tame by Comparison. And interviews with both trainers. You know, Diana, before we get started with this episode, I just want to say I hope all our listeners are doing well during this COVID-19 crisis that is causing us to think and act in very different ways. Oh, well, for example, we're actually recording this apart right now. You know, Diana, it's really lonely in the studio without you, but <laughs> sitting side by side just didn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, you know, right and with, yeah, and with regards to this episode, uh, this comment is way, way old. I mean, we've been preparing this episode forever, but I'm going to assume you're feeling much better. Yep, I'm actually finally feeling like I'm back to normal. Now, this is not from COVID-19. This is, this is from before any of that took place. And, you know, I've only finally stopped coughing from being sick at Christmas, which is really difficult to explain to people in the light of our latest health environment. But, uh, and as you know, I so wanted to get this episode out before leaving for San Diego. And we've been prepping it for just what seems like ages now. Well, we can blame this one on me. We barely got back from Saskatchewan when the flu bug hit my house. Yeah, I felt really bad for you. That was definitely more like what hit me over the Christmas holidays. Yeah, and then my septic tank pump burned out. Oh, yeah, you really got a one-two punch. I forgot about that. That wasn't fair, being sick and not being able to use water. Oh, (laughs) I remember... (laughs) I remember offering for you to come over to my place and, and, and have a shower. And you said, I'm not coming there and making you sick. And I thought, well, been, been there, done that. But anyway. Yeah, it probably was the same and, thing because that the cough is so lingering. You know, oh, it yes, just lasts forever. Yeah. So I was still recovering a week later when the farrier, I realized the farrier's book to come. And I called her in the morning to say, hi, how are you doing? And it wasn't a very nice day out. And I was hoping she was going to cancel, but no. (laughs) So I spent most of the day Saturday in my unheated barn holding horses, cleaning up poop. I was so tired and cold. I, you know, I would have brought the horses into the vet room one at a time. At least it's warmer in there. Yeah, well, except that the horses and the farrier get too warm in the vet room. I was the only one cold. I was in my insulated coveralls, and the farriers were pulling off their jackets. <laughs> yeah, and then, then, then three days later, one of my horses had colic issues, and I spent the night walking and monitoring. <laughs> he ended up spending three days in the barn, so I could keep an eye on him and feed him frequent small meals of soaked cubes and 
Anyway, now that I'm done complaining, how was your trip? Ah, I'm really sorry you had such a rough time of it. My trip was really awesome. I I was very concerned about flying and going to a huge conference where there would be people from all over the world. And that's just because COVID-19, of course, was ramping up. But people were really respectful of, of space and were extra careful about being on top of good hygiene. They had Purell machines all over the place. <laughs> You know, really. But but still, Sylvia, let's put this in perspective. It was very early on. You left at the end of February, right? I I did. I did leave at the end of February. And, you know, I mean, I was still nervous. But, you know, it seems like everybody coming out of that conference has been absolutely fine. Knock yeah. on wood. Yeah. Well, it was it was very early on. Things really hadn't hit our continent yet. But let's talk more about this crisis a little later, hey? Yeah, we we will discuss things a little bit more. Anyway, I caught heck from one of my heroes at the conference, Diana. (laughs) Lou Mangiello inspired me to do my first Facebook Lives at the main event expo in Red Deer, Alberta, after the Social Media Marketing World Conference in 2016. That was a few years ago. So, yeah, I know. So we will, this is my fifth year going, my fourth year uh, volunteering there. And yeah, so anyway, we were catching up and he chided me about consistency and showing up. Even when we can't get an episode out, all I could do was hang my head in shame, (laughs) you know, because he knows that I know being consistent is so important. And he said, we should be doing Facebook lives when we can't get an episode out just so we don't leave our listeners hanging. Well, but he doesn't know me, does he? So he doesn't know the difficulty you have trying to drag me out into these Facebook lives. So anyway, I agree. I agree totally with him. We shouldn't leave our listeners. You know what? And that's that's no excuse, right? I can't I can't say, hey, it's because I can't get together with you because you know what? I can I'm quite capable of doing them on my own, but it's so much more fun to to do them with you. There you go. So, and how, yeah. tell, tell me more now about the uh, social media marketing conference. Oh man, social media marketing world is just an amazing conference. I mean, I can't really describe it. You really have to experience the, the whole thing, but there are so many people from so many different backgrounds. So I went to a podcast meetup outside of the conference too, and it was great to get together with other podcasters. I know you tried to message me once, but I was walking trigger at the time. Uh, I I had no idea what you were dealing with back home. So how's trigger doing? And is your septic pump fixed? Trigger's fine. Thank goodness. And the septic tank pump was replaced. But you know, thanks for asking. (laughs) Oh, no, that's so good to hear. Well, what made the conference even more amazing this year is that there was a lovely random assortment of horse people there. So a few of us got together for a meetup. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I'll just tell you a little bit about them. I met Erin Kenworthy, a marketer from Perth, Australia. Kathy Forrester from Wichita, Kansas, who has a therapeutic riding connection. Brooke Salas, a marketer from New Jersey, who told me all about her horse, Diva. Eileen Ellis from Colorado, who, if I recall correctly, enjoys horses recreationally. Amanda O'Connell from Dallas, Texas, who, if I recall correctly, has a daughter involved in barrel racing. And Sarah Rode from Norco, California, who has Tennessee walkers. Interesting to note, 
Sarah was also in the chorus I was in. We performed on the stage as a backup for Brianna Shellcoat singing Take Another Step, a song she and Phil Mershon, one of the event organizers, wrote together. And the song cool. is very catchy and it's available on Apple Music. Oh, I'll have to listen to it. It sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, we had so much fun. And all of, and, those, all of those horse people are so diverse. Oh, yeah. They're very diverse. It, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, interestingly enough, Sarah sent out a message before the end of the conference saying she was sorry she couldn't say goodbye to everybody. She had to race home and evacuate her horses from the Norco California fire. Oh, boy. California. Winds. Those having, winds. Uh, okay. They've been well, having so much trouble. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I she'll actually, maybe she'll call you and let you know how she made out. Yeah, I uh, I actually shot a video uh, flying over as we were leaving Los Angeles and flying over um, the land, and you could see the smoke from the fires and stuff. Oh, I should boy. put that up in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, last minute, this is really cool. Last minute, I met Nikki Tate Stratton, a Canadian author of horse books, and she told me stories about a horse from her past called Ringo. It was just so great to meet other horse people at uh, Social Media Marketing World. It made my heart sing. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Yeah, and there will be a picture of the people from our early morning horse meetup in the Facebook group as well. Remind us how listeners get there. Oh, thanks for the reminder, Diana. They can go to the page at facebook.com slash inclined and click the blue visit group button near the top. So... There's a lot of talk about COVID-19, and rightly so. Yeah. It's forced closure or postponement of horse events around the globe, and I just thought it was important to mention here from a point of preparedness. You know, this is where I'm just going to say, when you mentioned that you weren't sure how many events had closed, I started researching them. But every day, Mm -hmm. as we didn't get to record, they kept increasing and increasing and increasing until finally it was put out there that all the horse events were canceled by different by right. different countries. Well, so yeah. yeah. And so wow. We've been trying we've been trying to get this episode together for so long. It's like almost like we're we're late talking about this, but you know, I just think it's important for people to have a backup plan. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, on our end, you know, making sure if we get sick, have we got someone to care for our horses? Right. And not to mention the fact that foaling season is here for some horse owners and right around the corner for others. Mm -hmm. So if you can't care for your horses, have you arranged for someone else to do that? And maybe a good idea not to hoard essential items, but have a good supply of things on hand. (laughs) Yeah, no, the hoarding is ridiculous. It's more like make sure there's someone like a neighbor or a friend or somebody a family member who can put supplies outside your door if you can't go shopping for them. Yeah, like thousand pound totes of hay cubes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I have definitely. a good, I just got a supply in the other day that should last me 25 days. Yeah, well, you really, you really do need to make sure you have your hay all, you know, ready to go still. And because a lot of people might be running out towards the end of the season here. In yes, Canada. it's bad timing, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is bad timing in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, unless there's something else you wanted to mention about that, mm-hmm. there's something else that happened at the conference that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, the the one the one more horse horsey thing that happened at the conference it, it just made my soul ache. Really, 
there was a networking party on Sunday night, March 1st, and someone asked me if I'd heard about the eventer that somersaulted over a jump and both her and her horse had died. And, and this just turned my stomach because we know young girls participating in uh, the eventing discipline. And I had to admit I hadn't heard anything. And then when I returned home, I found out it was a young woman from our area Mm-hmm. who was highly thought of, and both her and her horse were very talented. I'm pretty devastated thinking that a really good rider doing all the right things met her end in that manner, and my heart goes out to all the people connected to her. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, Catherine, Cat, to her friends, Catherine mm-hmm. Morell, mm-hmm. rode out of Sandridge yeah. Stables right here in Strathcona County, and her horse, who she had a special relationship right from the get-go I think that she decided to buy her just from seeing her in a stall (laughs) and just connected with her you know how that happens and uh, her eight-year-old thoroughbred mare Carrie on I just love that name Carrie spelled k-e-r-r-y Carrie on Mm. and and cat cat and carry on it's just so sad but it makes us all appreciate you know, the bonds we have with our horses. So, Mm. So, Sylvia, you made the mistake at that point of mentioning frangible devices, and that sent me down the research path because I'd never heard of them. Oh, I like it when you research things because you do such a great job. I try. So, you know, there's been talk for many years on making eventing safer. And a lot of changes took place over the years. So as I was researching, I found a few very interesting articles. They're either written by or based on comments from Jim Wofford. He's he's from the States, been in the eventing world for many years. And most of them were through practicalhorseman.com. And and it also included some history. So I'm just going to give you some history because um, Jim says you have to look at the history and, and learn from it right? So you don't make the Mm -hmm. same mistakes, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. well, first off, I can tell you that it used to be called the military, right? And it Mm -hmm. was, they used military mounts, and it was all military men that were riding these horses. And they rode, uh, it was, it was very different. There was five phases to the cross country part of the event. So they would do the Mm -hmm. dressage first and then all these different, basically it was a lot of endurance, right? And then Mm -hmm. at the end, they would show jump just to prove. The idea was to to show that you could take your horses through all of these competitions, all of this hard work, all of this endurance, but in the end, they would still be serviceable, right? So, and it was a great deal of conditioning, right? Uh, You know, um, mm-hmm. a, a lot like uh, what were you saying the other day, it was a lot like eventing, but no, no, a lot mm-hmm. like distance riding, right? Yeah, so endurance, endurance, thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. anyhow, in 1960 at the Rome Olympics, they moved from uh, they moved to four pairs, they used to have three horse and rider teams, three horse and rider pairs per team. And in 1960, mm-hmm. they moved to four pairs so that they could drop one score. Well, that mm-hmm. allowed for more speed, right? In right. 1963, three years later, they added a mandatory 10-minute vet check before the cross-country course. In 1964, mm-hmm. they allowed women. Now, through 
all that time you could fall, get back up on your horse and go again. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's not, that hasn't been that way for quite a while, but back in 1964, it was, um, Mm -hmm. in 1967, they eliminated the cool down phase. So there was like a, a slower, we would have been one of the five where they would slow Mm -hmm. down and, and ride slowly to cool down before the stadium, whatever. And in 1967, they also, the same year, did the reverse order of placing so that, you know, whoever was the fastest came in first or whoever had the least number of faults, I guess, would come in, sorry, would come in last, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's that in anticipation and you, it's a real advantage to ride last, right? Mm-hmm. So again, that increased the level of expertise, right? So the average speed at the time on these cross-country courses, it's interesting. What you had to do was ride between 600 and 690 meters per minute. So you had to do a minimum of 600 meters per minute. But if you did 690, you got bonus points. But if you went over, well, that's, you know, then there's penalty points. And then right. for the other part of the course, they had to ride between 450 and 570 meters. So there was kind of a speed course and then a slower course. And remember, they'd taken down the cool down part, right? Mm-hmm. So now they moved to an average speed of 570 instead, which basically mm-hmm. upped the speed again, right? There was no slow mm-hmm. course. So, and at the time, it was 3-12-2. So, dressage counted for 3-12 for cross-country, 2 for jumping. And um, in uh, 1984, they opened it up to professionals. So, remember how we always used to have that controversy about, yeah, right, those guys are professionals, they're just not getting paid, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do you remember that? So, in 1984, I seem they... I to remember that. Yeah, so in 1984, they actually allowed professionals. And so over the next two decades, they saw like just ever increasing speed, right? And they thought that was a little dangerous. So to reduce the speed, the course designers made the course more technical, right? So that people had to slow down and think about it. But that actually resulted in more falls, particularly... Mm the rotational falls that are so deadly. So Mm. Jim Wofford, when now I'm going to talk about what he says, he talks about the law of unintended consequences, right? Which was Mm. actually made popular by an American sociologist, Robert K. Merton. Mm. So now today, the split is now 1.5, one and one. So they've just, they keep upping how much emphasis there is on dressage and stadium jumping, and cross-country isn't the main thing anymore, right? Okay, so I'm going to tell you now, are, are you wondering why that makes a difference? <laughs> well, I'm, try, I'm trying to understand because I thought that, uh, I thought that you said uh, originally, so it was 3 and 12 and 2, and wasn't the 3 for dressage, the 12 was cross-country, and the 2 was jumping? I think originally and it now... was even, originally it was even lower than that, though. Originally, there was only one point, one, it was only one part that for the jumping, right? And because it was all about completing the course and having a horse that could still go back to work. 
And so the jumping right. course, the stadium jumping was just to show that, hey, they're still, they still have it, the wherewithal to go yeah. in and, and do the stadium jumping. But yeah. what they've done over the years, basically, without going into all these numbers, is they've mm-hmm. increased the dressage, the importance of the dressage, and mm-hmm. they've increased the importance of the stadium jumping. They've increased mm-hmm. the technical aspect of all of the jumps, whether it's mm-hmm. on, on, you know, on course or in the stadium, mm-hmm. because they have, and they have all these professionals. So what they're, what they're making it is these horses all, now to be able to do all that, they have to be responding to the rider instantly, mm-hmm. right? So, right. so then when you say... No, no time for thought. No. So so it can be argued that an increased emphasis on dressage and stadium jumping means the horses aren't as good at the cross-country speed work. So think about this. What what would you rather ride cross-country? Now, personally, cross-country courses terrify me. I, I love going out and riding, but I, I always check my, I like to go for a nice canter and maybe even a little jump or two. But those so cross country thing is I used I used to love cross country, but cross country isn't what it used to be. <laughs> so, okay. so here's the thing. So I know what I know what you mean. Yeah. So so do you want a horse that listens to your every command, or do you want a horse that can jump more independently and keep himself and you safe? Which mm. would you rather ride? <laughs> You know, I, I would rather I would rather ride a safe horse. <laughs> yeah, I would rather ride a horse who knew what the hell he was doing in case I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that yeah. happened is that, you know, the jumps kind of changed a bit, too. Like some of those jumps can look ginormous, but if they're they very do. if they're very and they can be ginormous, but if they're very slanted so that the bottom is low and the top is high, but they're. You, like they can they can be easier for a horse to jump on their own without being mm. something technical that the rider has to get them to the exactly right place right mm-hmm. so anyway he talks about that but here interestingly at the 2020 olympics remember each country will mm-hmm. only have three teams again right that fourth team with the knockout score is gone so mm-hmm. that should <laughs> It should reduce speed and the emphasis should again be on completion rather than just competition. Yeah, this is if the 2020 Olympics go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, if they go ahead. But yes. So another way they've tried to make this the sport safer is with something called the Equiratings Quality Index. So that was actually put out by a company. And and honestly, I think it was two two uh, eventers who got together and basically said, so if you're going to move up to the next level, and if you need two clear rounds at this level before you can move up to the next one, are you getting those clear rounds in two rounds? Or does it take you 20 rounds to get the two clear rounds, right? And not Mm -hmm. to move up Mm -hmm. until you uh, can do it in a reasonable time span. So they have, like, it's quite complex how they do it. And uh, a lot of com- a lot of countries have adopted uh, this uh, Equiratings Quality Index, so that has made a big difference, I think. 
And then, of course, that's when we get to the frangible devices. <laughs> so, mm, okay. <laughs> so they have, they, you know, it hasn't, they haven't been around all that long. I'm trying to remember, I think it was 2004, maybe the first frangible devices. So they came out first mm. in Britain and they were pins, pins on wires, and they they worked pretty well. They do work well, but they have limitations in the length of the post that they can handle and certain other things. And they also can't be so used what, by tape. What are they? What who, what do they do? Well, the pins. So what happens is so so. First off, I'm going to finish that thought. So uh, they only mm-hmm. work on certain lengths of posts. Like they won't go past I don't know. 17 feet or something and and then they don't work on like tabletops you know like how they'll jump okay like a a flat surface so they don't work Mm -hmm. on tabletops and there's some things they don't work on but what they do is when the horse hits the um the log or whatever the top the the log what it does is the element yeah it breaks the pin pops out and on the wires, the log drops down on the wires. And they don't drop ah. that far. They only drop like, I don't know, 14 inches maybe. But it's mm-hmm. just enough to give the horses the ability to scramble over it instead of somersaulting. Okay, mm. does that make sense? Yes, yes. Okay. And so then, so that was the frangible pins. So on the other hand, frangible safety clips are called MIM. Safety clips, M-I-M, don't ask me what that stands for. They were developed in Sweden, okay? Okay. And the clips are easier to replace and rebuild the fences than the pins are. So it it results in fewer delays, which is great. Okay. So Matt Zjornitin Zjornitin is the owner of uh, MIM uh, uh, MIM Construction. And that's why they're Mm -hmm. called MIM pins. And he's been an organizer in the eventing sport since 1994. And there's a nice video of him online uh, explaining how, you know, he like the sport of eventing means everything to him. And he he just felt there had to be a way to figure out how to make the sport safer and easier to construct and so on with these safety clips. And uh, right. He actually runs a company where they, his engineer um, designs safety for cars. So that's oh. cool. Isn't that cool? And so that fellow yeah. happens to be Anders Flogard. And uh, he's mm-hmm. the designer of the, M, of the MIM safety clip. And he suggests that the forces involved in a rotational fall are initially horizontal, followed by vertical. So they hit them horizontally and then they hit them from the top and so reverse frangible technology allows the fence to be driven forward in the same direction as the horse is going and it reduces the rotational speed so it gives the horse a better chance of recovering staying on its feet so there's only so and and the really good thing too aside from their easier to reconstruct to build the fence up again on the course when they go down but they they can also use them on tables and different types of jumps so that's very hmm. cool but there is an issue <laughs> there's a penalty and the issue is there's a What's penalty that? for knocking down a jump oh, right okay yeah and mm-hmm. the fact is that 
they aren't entirely consistent in the amount of force <sighs> needed to break a pin. But you know something? <sighs> it's But to me, that's a lot like, I mean, we watch horses hit a fence and the pole bounces in the cup. Oh, yeah. And doesn't oh, fall yeah. down. And the next guy, know. you know, the wind from his feet knocks it off. Yep. Right? Like, you know, I it's, mean, all, it's all physics, eh? <laughs> yeah. And so, but they, they do have the ability for the ground judges to say, no, that pin that was hit too many times, that fence, and we don't think they it should have come down. Right? Ah. So, but that leaves the element of human error, right? So mm, the thing about the frangible pins, though, is they do they do have an indicator when they need to be replaced. So it indicates. Oh, that's good. So, so that is good. So, and the F. Mm -hmm. So the FEI does have standards in place for frangible devices on international courses, but of course, not every course is an international course. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, so anyway, so that's my lengthy explanation. But before I go, let us just say <laughs> that the safest, the way to make the sport very safe, according to many, is conditioning and training. Oh, of course. Slowly. Of course it is. And it doesn't yes. always happen. So, so condition, yeah. condition, condition, and train starting yes. at the bottom and gradually work up. And it's all about conditioning and training. But all of those other elements would go a long way towards making it a lot safer sport. So, yay. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like anything, and it always comes to mind, the uh, pyramid in dressage is mm -hmm. you, you can't leapfrog over any of the stages. You have to, you have to be very thorough and uh, you're right. I mean, do things properly from the ground up. I just, I, I would also like to point out that um, they are trying really hard to get these frangible devices put in place all over the world, but it costs money mm -hmm. and they have a GoFundMe at equine Inc. And I, that's I N K equine ink as in what comes out of your pen.com and if you just go there and search um go fund me you'll come up with the story i think of what happened with cat mm -hmm. and you'll have an opportunity to uh to donate to the go fund me so and i'm wondering it's, i wonder uh, if, be that's, interesting. if that's across north america or it's in the states you know I'm just not sure. But, Interesting. Uh, we just have to go and look. Know, yeah. Well, <laughs> my goodness. I'm going to jump into my time machine and take us back to the Saskatchewan Equine Expo in February because we have two interviews with the trainers that should have been out three weeks ago. But let's get <laughs> yeah. on with that, eh? I know. Yes. <laughs> we wanted to give our listeners some insight into the adventures of trainer Rod Olson, what he had with his young mare during the trainer's challenge there. And we'll follow that with an interview with uh, Chris Monroe. Yeah, well, and I think I'll defer to you for both of these because you took all the notes while I was trying to snap pictures and tweet out comments. <laughs> so I actually think that a lot of what I had will be in the interviews. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think I have a lot well, of extra. Yeah, because I, okay, I use those well, notes to, to ask the interview code. Sometimes I have more, but not in this case. Well, let me just say that my first memory of Rod Olson working with his mare was him 
in the second session, just simply trying to touch his horse, like lay his hands on his horse. And that <laughs> seemed odd. Yeah, and it did seem unusual. But some people behind us clued us in because the night before when we weren't there, uh, they saw mm-hmm. what was going on. Yeah. And yeah, right. it was it was just a matter of just it, it took the whole time to to just better. <laughs> so. Right. Well, I, I would like people to listen to uh, Rod uh, in the interview to explain the third F word response that horses have and humans often misinterpret. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? That, that sounds bad, no, doesn't it? Not... <laughs> and no, that's not a joke. Let's listen. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this is Diana, and I'm here with Sylvia. We're here at the Saskatchewan Equine Expo, and fortunate to have with us Rod Olson. Rod, thank you for taking the time. Um, I I think you've recovered a little bit from your session in the ring. You're not breathing too hard right now. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell our our listeners that they can. We're not going to ask you to go through who you are, where you're from, all your background, because we've already done that. Mm-hmm. We have a great interview with you back in episode 84. No, 184. Ooh, yeah. episode 184. Oh, not that would have been a long time ago, <laughs> episode 84. Back in episode 184. And so really, we've just... He, this is Rod's third session with a chestnut mare who is, let us say, a challenge. Yeah, she and, is. <laughs> yeah, and so we're really just going to let Rod kind of take it away and tell us a little bit about this mare and the opportunities she's... Sure. <laughs> well, you know, right from the selection, when they run them into the arena and they ran them around, I was a little bit hesitant to even uh, pick her because she does have quite a bit of white around her eyes, right? And she's, she's a real watching mare. Yes. And you can tell right from the start she's going to be kind of gritty. Yeah. And uh, but, why, I did, but I didn't get sorry. first pick, right? But so. that's why you called her first. John Wayne, John right? Wayne, yeah. J.W. Yeah, she's <laughs> got, she, she does have a lot of grit. And uh, and my actually my 11 year old son here, Trig, he's with me, and and he says, Dad, pick that one. She's kind of fancy. So oh, oh thanks. So, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter which horse you get, yeah, right? It's, no. Yeah, you don't know what they're really going to be like until you until you start. And they all offer different opportunities oh, sure, to yeah. show your skills. Yeah, for right? sure. So yeah. yeah, so this one, so you you were kind of a little bit uncertain about her about what she was going to display. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, our first wise. session with her, it took us a whole hour just to pet her right yeah yeah like every time we just try to pat her she would just just touching. lose it yeah just, right. she just touching. floating and rearing yeah. 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 yeah 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 so uh so she's actually come a long, a long way. way from 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 where we started from well watching session two was absolutely amazing so i mean mm-hmm. can i can i just tell people that you got from not only petting her but you got all the way to saddling her right and that was not easy right you know, there's a lot of things she she does easy. Like, she's got a lot of nice forward motion. Yes. Like, she went over the barrels, you know, jumped over the barrels really easy. Like yeah. walking over the bridge. You know, she really picks up her front end. You know, she could be a hunter-jumper. Like, she really <laughs> yeah. has a nice carriage to her. Um, she's correct leaded both ways, you know. She's she's really quite a balanced mare. And she looks kind of floaty. She is, In yeah. that yeah. trot. Yeah. Yeah, she, you could ride her all day and... 
and as long as she didn't buck you off, you'd be a comfortable ride, right? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. And she's uh, she's got a good size to her, yeah, so she she's is, probably going to be fair. She's you've, yeah. you you have now sat on her. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a strong mare. You're not gonna she's not gonna lose her balance with the owner, right? Let's back up a little bit, okay. <laughs> because yesterday's session was really amazing. I was really impressed with how you just stayed very very cool with her and just said, "Oh no, that's okay." And backed up a little bit yeah. in your session and also the other thing I noticed you did was you just gave her other things to distract her right so you just move you went on to move to other things like yeah. picking up her feet and you know yeah ground dying yeah. and all kinds of things yeah. right yeah just got to keep her mind busy keep her feet busy and and if we keep her feet busy then her her focus is on things that she should be doing hopefully right mm-hmm. but she uh, she's a little bit fractious so when uh, that that fight or flight yes. is really right at the surface with her, right? So we gotta the switch just is be just careful. very, very light. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, But by the end of the day, and, and I thought by the end of the session yesterday, uh, by the time you got the saddle off her, she just scooted away a little bit mm-hmm. when you took the saddle off. Yeah. And so you went right back and put the saddle back on again right. several times, and she was very calm about the saddle when you finished yesterday. Yeah. I mean, she really, really looked like she was in a good spot yesterday. She was, yeah. 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 I was I was really thinking that was going to continue. <laughs> I did too. I did too. She uh, she didn't have quite the same expression on her face today when we finished. She was a little bit no a little bit uh, upset, but but you know she's got to go through that, right? Yes. Like we're going to hit peaks and valleys, especially in this early stage. Yes. And you've just got to ride through them. Were you at all surprised by her bit of a backslide today? Uh, not really. I actually expected that from her yesterday, right? Yes. And I kind of knew it was in there somewhere. And so we're pretty careful with horses like there be, with her because uh, it's, it's in there, right? And we try our best not to let them explode like that, but, you know, she's so strong and there's not a whole lot you can do. Like when, they, when they buck like that, you just got to kind of let them do their thing and as much as you can and keep folks, them from hurting themselves, buck. right? Yeah, can you explain uh, to our listeners what happened like the progression and okay well we just got her uh, got her saddled up and just as we pulled that into her I didn't even have my breast collar on her and uh, she blew up right and she got mad and she you know really really got she after it she was vocal about yeah. it too. yeah we, she was we've watched a lot yeah. of these sessions yeah. and we've never I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that she I was don't bucking think and yeah. bawling and blowing her nose yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah was, she was bawling she was she was she was vocal yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. Uh, but, you know, once we were able to kind of get her settled down and, and get her moving, get her thinking a little bit, then she kind of settled down and, and uh, you know, putting those feed sacks on her yes. both sides, you know, it just kind of helps give her something else to kind of simulate me being on her back, right? Can you uh, explain f- a little bit about the feed sacks? Okay, yeah, they're just foam feed sacks, right? right? Just right. foam <laughs> inside a feed sack <laughs> with a rope on them. don't think they're 50 pounds yeah. feed sacks on Yeah, they're really light, and I use them just to simulate my saddle because it's they're light and they're easy to throw on um i leave them in the rain on the ground so that they just get used to stuff right and they run over it and it doesn't hurt nothing. yeah and you just hook it over the saddle horn yeah, and then and you just got a rope on it hook it over the saddle horn and and it just simulates your legs moving i sit a stick a flag down through my cinch ring so that flag's kind of flapping around up there kind of simulate me on her back a little bit now, and you did uh, tell the crowd that if uh, with a horse like that at home, for sure, you'd probably get on another horse. Yeah. You have yeah. someone else on a broke horse and right. do a lot of 
ponying type stuff, right. right? Yeah, there's so much you can do from another horse yeah. with a horse like her, especially, right? And it doesn't matter, even if it's a really quiet one, I like to work them from another horse because they just get an opportunity to see you up above, up them, above. right? Yeah, before you other actually, vantage yeah. point, right? Plus they have a companion in there right, who's right. calming. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times when we're working a horse, from another horse I'll get them moving around like that get them to where I can really pull them around and get them to where I lunge them from that other horse right so they're moving out around with me as we go around and then we get them quiet down and a lot of times I'll just slide over onto them yes yeah you know I don't even get off my saddle or I just slide over onto them and, and it's really quite uneventful and even today once we got on her I didn't want her to move out too much because it's still in there, right? Mm -hmm. I just wanted her to move her feet a little bit, and she kind of froze a little bit. And so as we were trying to pull her around, she was just kind of froze. So we just tried to unlock her. And every time she unlocked, she got the release. and Right, yeah. yeah. So we just try to just try to reinforce that, you know, if, you're gonna, if you respond in a good way, it's going to be a good reaction, right? Yeah. 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 She's all great walking over the tarts, walking over the bridge, walking in those tight spaces between the fence and the barrel. Right. So she did so many good there. things. Yeah. yeah, she does. She has a lot of good qualities. About yeah. Her. I mean, she's she's got so many things done yeah. that once she relaxes, when right. you're up there and actually decides to move off, I think she'll do everything. I, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so you've got one 45-minute session left yeah. for a morning. Yeah. yeah. I think we got yeah another session and then the finals tomorrow. Right? Yeah. yeah. So you know, as much as you know, maybe you weren't surprised, but actually having watched that second session, I really thought. I really thought she had come around to your way of thinking. Yeah. And I really I really wasn't expecting her to take a step back that far. Yeah, right? me neither. I was and, just kind of expecting her to but, kind of move off from where she was yesterday. But quite honestly, you dealt with it. Oh, yeah. You were still up in the saddle yeah. today. So, And you got, about, uh, you got all of the feet picked up. You got a lot of things accomplished today aside from the actual riding. Yeah. That might end up being easy. I hope so. Right? <laughs> but I would, uh, you know, what do you think? I mean, she she could have been like, okay, today, yeah, yeah. and then blown up in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe better yeah. <laughs> that she did it now. You know, and, and the kind of, as a rule, the third day is usually the worst, right? So hopefully she can think on what we did for the next 24 hours. Right. And then uh, come back with a little bit more open mind. And a little bit of frame of mind for tomorrow's session. Well, this was definitely day three. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. nowhere to go but up from here. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hope not, not up, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, but, I mean, the other thing is, too, I mean, you're, you've got a lot on your mind. You need to be thinking about what the horse is doing. You need to be thinking uh, fast on your feet. Yeah. You, need, you know, and I know a lot of it is second nature now. But you still have to be pretty focused. Oh, absolutely. And at the same time, there's jokes flying back and forth <laughs> out of that ring with the judges, with the announcer. You've got a ton of them. Um, does that just help to settle things? Or you, do you, you think know, it just horses, distracts the crowd? <laughs> when horses, even when I'm at home, when horses kind of lose it like that, it entertains me. I laugh. Right. Right. It is kind of like... It breaks the tension. It does. Yeah. You know, we don't like to see them, see them fall apart like that. But sometimes it just happens, right? Yeah. And, and they've got to work through it. And 
you know, if they never do it, you're always kind of wondering, like, is it is it stuck in there someplace? Like, you know, you know, I, I was just going to say that that a lot of people don't ever, you know, they get to training horses yeah. and they never push them that little bit further. You know, they're always very, very right. careful. And that doesn't bode well when someone gets up on that horse that does something right. unexpected. You know, but we're... We're supposed to be, and I think for the most part we are, breeding horses now that uh, don't have that explosive nature, unless we're breeding them to buck, right? Yeah. But for the most part, I think people are trying to breed a horse that is a little bit more suitable for today's rider. Because most people today, you know, like they're, if they ride for 30 minutes, they're done, right? Yeah. 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 You know? Once a week. Yeah. Back, you know, (laughs) back not too long ago, you know. You had to kind of ride them hard for that first five miles, and then you could relax after that. Well, most people don't ride five miles anymore, right? But, you know, I knew someone that that did break a horse, a knowledgeable guy, um, worked that horse, got him along pretty good. There was was a, a bit of a tying issue, got that straightened out, and then sent him to a guy to just work, uh, you know, somewhere we really would be working in with cattle uh-huh. in the feedlot kind of a situation, sure. right? And um, the the issue that they'd had came back. Oh, sure. On that guy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was someone that, that knew what they were doing. Right. And then someone else that knew what they were doing. Right. And s- still that, that little glitch came back. Right. So you know they can think on their own, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> they're not a bike, <laughs> right? And and in some cases, it doesn't matter how much our preparation, how much preparation we do, yeah. it's still going to come out because they have that ability to think on their own, and they are a fight or flight animal, right? Yeah. And then on the other hand, maybe we should say too that you also have to trust your horse. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the horse will start out a bit of a rogue, right? And straighten out and become the best horse in the world (laughs) right yeah and you just have to trust your horse they change just like people do yeah yeah i wanted to go back to that thing that you said fight or flight because you added another f in there which is freeze yeah and i think a lot of people don't they 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 don't understand that the has frozen and they think oh it's okay this horse is calm now yeah it's not really no (laughs) because their first response and even our first response as humans right is to run away yeah like to get away from trouble and if we can't get away from trouble we're going to fight our way out of trouble and if we can't fight our way out of trouble, we just freeze up and we just go numb, right? Horses do the same thing. You'll see it in the wild even. If they can't get away from that horse that's being rough on them, they'll just freeze up and just take their licking, hoping that mean horse will go away, mm-hmm. right? If they can't get away. Yeah. And so fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Or, you know, in the dog world, my sister says fight, flight, and avoidance. Yeah. And when a dog just freezes and turns their head away, people think, oh, no, it's okay. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. They keep pushing that dog, and the next thing it goes, and it might go to flight, Yeah. but it might go to fight. Right. And you don't know which way it's going to go. Right. Yep. Right? So that, that freeze, that's the same thing, and mm-hmm. that's what you're saying. You don't know what's right. going to happen when a horse is frozen. So that's where the other four things, like feel, timing, balance, and experience, mm-hmm. come yeah. into play, right? Experience mm-hmm. is a big one. Experience is huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... And, and uh, like I said in there, you know, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. <laughs> and yeah. I love that. I wanted yeah. to applaud, yeah. and I thought, oh, the moment has passed. <laughs> yeah. the, the other thing you said is the man who bleeds more in training bleeds less in battle. Sweats right. more. Sweats, sweats more, more in training. Yeah. yeah, sweats more in training bleeds least in battle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, they certainly can turn around. And she certainly had 
a very good start. Yeah. So I'm I'm really banking on her learning from today and coming through I, tomorrow. I think she will. I think yeah. she'll have a have a good sleep tonight and and come out ready to. <laughs> well, whatever happens, you've done a fabulous job, well, thank you. Rod. Great. Thank you. And you certainly um, communicated to the audience what's going on and how you're trying to deal with it, mm -hmm. and so on. So you've ticked all those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You know, <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, she she just has to let you on tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That's and right. go through and go somewhere, thing. right? Yeah. And yeah. go somewhere, yeah. and yeah. yeah, she's she'll have done a great job, and you'll have done a great job with her. Well, thank you. One more thing, we, we don't want to let you go until you let people know how they can find out more about Rod Olson. Uh, you know, I'm not really a Facebook person or anything like that, so just phone me. Yeah. <laughs> Down in Southern. Southern Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. That's the best way to get a hold of me, just phone me. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I usually got it. Well, I'll tell away. you, people People seriously today got their money's worth in education and in entertainment. Well, thank you. The jokes were <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ron. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ron. Well, I mentioned in the interview that we've seen many of these young horse starting sessions. And, you know, let's see, we've attended most trainers' challenges for the main event. I've seen some that you missed. And we've seen some at Northlands and Saskatchewan. So... I don't know, perhaps roughly 50 horses started, but we've never seen a horse respond quite like this mare did. Yeah. See, I saw some that you didn't too. Because <laughs> remember. Oh, yes, ab absolutely. When I started to watch these things, you, wild horses couldn't drag me away, right? So I, I never well, thought I can. would enjoy them, right? <laughs> and, and it's still hard, yeah. So back in 2007, I bought the complete video set. For the first two mm -hmm. challenges I, I watched, yeah. So mm -hmm. 2007, 2008. And back in 2007, I watched Craig Cameron out of the States. I watched him work with a very challenging horse. So this buckskin gelding uh, did the F word froze a lot. And, mm -hmm. he, and he was also very determined to be on top of him, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was you just mean like a he lot was the horse... Like the horse was trying to be on top of Craig? Yeah, I mean, he... Is that what you mean? You know how some, you watch a lot of horses and they come in? Because they can go away yeah. from you, or they can go forward, or yep. they can come in towards you. That's what they will do. Yep. But this yep. horse would come in on top of him all the time. He would, number one, mm -hmm. he would freeze. And as soon as I saw mm -hmm. it, I went, the first time he froze, I went, oh, no. <laughs> Because right? uh -oh. it's not something, uh, you know, that's beyond me to deal with all of the, the freezing. Because mm -hmm. you never know then what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And right. that yeah. horse would come over on top of him all the time. And boy, I tell you, he, I don't even remember if he actually ever was able to get up on that horse, right? But yes. it, it was a bit of a wingnut. So, you know, I mm -hmm. think Rod is right when he says the breeding programs have changed and the type of horse, we don't see that type of horse anymore, right? Mm -hmm. so, well, they're, anyway. they're doing great breeding horses these days. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I loved Rod's quotes, uh, like, a man with experience is never at the mercy of a man with an opinion. <laughs> I thought that was just so right on. Okay. And the one that made me laugh was his advice to never grow old. <laughs> and he said, his dad always said, die young and leave a good looking corpse. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. That was funny. Oh, well, dear. I was amazed at his. I was amazed at his ability to make us laugh, even while things were getting a little intense. Mm-hmm. And you know, Rod and I are a common business mentor. I was quite surprised that Rod appreciates and learns from Robin Sharma, as do I. Oh well, there you oh, go. Yeah, and if you want to be in touch with Rod Olson and can't find a way to contact him, just let us know via email to podcast at canadaequine.com and we'll put you in touch. Make sure the subject line of your email is something related to wanting to be in touch with Rod Olson so so we can see it right away. Oh, excellent. Right on. Yeah. So Chris Monroe, well, you probably have a few notes on how Chris Monroe progressed. <laughs> Did you want to share those before our interview? <laughs> Well, same old. Um, there's not oh, a lot yeah. that wasn't mentioned in the interview. Okay. Well, then Chris has an interesting challenge to work around. So during the interview, listen for his story. Yes, let's do that. So Diana here, and I'm with Sylvia, and we're down at the Saskatchewan Equine Expo, and we've got here with us Chris Monroe, and Chris is part of the Trainers Challenge, and this is a young trainer we have not uh, interviewed before, so we get to hear his story right from the get-go. Chris, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about um, how long you were involved with horses, how you got into them? Yep. Did you grow up with them? <laughs> that sort of thing? No, for sure. I actually I was born in Ontario, and that's we had a dairy farm out there, and we rode horses. We have my dad had a fox hunt there, and oh, cool! That, and, that would be a sort of thing that you find in Ontario. Yeah, we had a, and he did that, and then we moved out. I think it was like four when we moved out to Alberta. My dad was on ranches, and it's Canada. Just been all over there, and just traveled around doing that, and. And we went and trained rain horses for a while up in Edmonton area, and then, yeah, we, and then my parents separated, and I did live when lived in Nanton, and that's kind of where I grew up. And I had a neighbor there, and he was a Keith Stewart, and he was a mentor to me. He kind of took me under his wing, and he taught me everything about how to train a horse. And and I did before we did stuff before that, but it was a little more rough and tough of it, I guess you can say. <laughs> And Keith showed me how to just communicate with him, and I, my, I thank him every day for it because I wouldn't be where I am now without him. So. Oh, excellent! It is, it's really fortunate when you can get yourself a mentor oh, early on in in your riding career. Totally, like I think that's where the big hurt in the trainers world right now is. I feel like there's lots of people that don't aren't willing to go and learn. You know what I mean? Like they 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 watch on YouTube. You know what I mean? And they want to go strike off on their own before and, they've actually... And yeah. I might be blunt about that, but that's who I am. I'm very a blunt person. And I feel like that's, if you're going to get into it, go learn from a guy like Dale Clearwater here. And, right. And even Seth Abrahamson around here. Like, those guys, the door's always open. So why not, right? And uh, I learned from so many guys, got to go ride with them, and that's... I thank them for that, right? They taught me, and... I, it's awesome. Right on. And so, here. when did you actually start? At what age did you start training? I was 14 when I first started training, <laughs> <Still> <laughs> like for yeah. Keith and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but I did before. Like I rode lots before and started colts and was kind of a, a test dummy. So <laughs> we hear that so often, and, you know. Uh, oh yeah, and and yeah, I was 14, and that's where it kind of all began, and and then yeah, and just did that and cowboyed on ranches and did just moved around. 
I don't know. That's the <laughs> it just went on from there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so where are you now? Uh, we, we were in Maple Creek, and we just moved to my wife's ranch, like her family ranch there, and we're, uh, I think, a 115-year-old ranch. Uh, wow, and where's that? Uh, just uh, west of Medicine Hat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, we're over there, and we're have Herefords and we have the background feedlot that we do there and they kind of wanted us to move home and and again thank god that that's what happened because that's when I got hurt was at their place oh and if, yeah and if that was back where we were we would have been on our own right yeah it would have been tough and no it was I thank them a lot for it so when we're talking about that now, this is something our listeners haven't heard yet. So when you were out uh, in your sessions yesterday and the day before, yep. you were mentioning, well, especially yesterday, because you went to saddle. Yep. And you saddle, said, I can't saddle from the right side. Yeah. Right? You have to saddle from the left. Yeah, no, I got to saddle from the right. I can't do it from the left. There you go, the other way around. <laughs> but yeah, vice versa. But yeah, that's... I, uh, I've always done it like that, thank goodness, because I rode oh. so many horses and didn't have that many saddles, so I'd switch cinches all the time. I just did it like that for so long, so then I saved some steps. Because it was, <laughs> because it was easier because the cinches on are on that the, side. Yeah. And so like, but yeah, it's hard for me to throw a saddle with my right arm. Yeah. Or my you just don't have the same mobility. No, like I can rope and all that, but I can't like throw a baseball, and it's I have no muscle figure in that part of it. So throwing. And, a, can we tell our listeners what happened? Like, what? How? What? What? What was involved in the injury? What was it like? How? How it happened? How it happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, how it happened was um, I just it was my last horse of the day, and I just was naive, I guess, and tired. Uh, tired. That was tired. a big thing. That was my big. I already had ten horses under my belt that oh, day, and that's a lot. And then he horse bucked me off, and, and he. That's what happened. It. it he just, didn't. He didn't just quit at one buck, though. No, he, he bucked both. I'm going to say 350 yards yeah. he was going and I just got tired and yep. don't remember the last jump yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah and so so it was a pretty massive injury yeah it was uh, I'm not saying career ending no but well it, it could have been it could have been it could have been and luckily it wasn't yeah and it, so I it think put it open my eyes yeah you told us you had a 25 percent chance, chance of your surgery working yeah and being able to use that arm yeah at, at all properly again. yeah and uh, i know i told the surgeon i said you just got to make it able i can roll because i yeah. if i can't roll i'm not very happy we we brand lots and that's kind of what i like doing so you gotta let me rope. <laughs> okay, and you can still rope. Yeah, I can still oh, rope. Right that's that's all I care about. Yeah. Right on. And all that. So no. So, so now tell us about this little black filly that you drew. Yeah, no, the black filly here. I was last pick. Like uh, we we were talking before, but like we picked out of a hat by our name or surnames alphabetical order, and I got number three last <laughs> pick. You picked first, but yeah, you got picked your number three <laughs> choice. Yeah. Uh, a little unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I'm just teasing. It was, I'm totally fine with it. I picked the mare that I wanted, and then I just kind of leaned towards her anyways. And What, I what did you like about her? I just liked that she was kind of on the back, and she wanted just to get along, to go along. If that makes sense, she was, and then when they were all running around the arena, she was never in the lead. She was like, she just kind of was like, I'm gonna, just gonna go with you guys and have a good time. That's more or less how she is, and and just the way her neck came out of her shoulders, she was just gonna. I knew she was gonna be a low-headed horse when she got at that time, like when she was calm and running around. She had a very low neck and it wasn't up, and she had a nice low tail head where I believe that they do stop a little more. They're more of a horse that wants to raid off from you than a high 
tail head on a horse like you look at a thoroughbred they're a little more high-tailed right and they're more ready to go ready to go <laughs> so that's why i picked her and i just liked her i know my gut said go with it so yeah we went with it <laughs> very good so what have you accomplished with her so far uh the first two days i'd say we were uh, maybe not behind but she was just so nervous she was so busy she just wanted to be with her friends back in the stall and and i couldn't be mad at her because can we blame them They've, no, no. <laughs> they've came from a field and all that to a barn for five days, and they haven't seen the sunlight, right? Right? They haven't been out, and they're kind of just a little claustrophobic. So I maybe went a little quick with it, but I knew she was all right. And then today I just I knew she was going to be busy if I was going to be busy with her. So and you've got her saddled. Yeah, got her saddled. Okay. And, and I think I saw right at the end there you were up. Like yeah. You um, stepped on. Stepped on yep. and, and up and just got her to move a little bit and got her used to feeling that weight in the feeling saddle. Feeling that pressure, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, know I saddled her and, and she hasn't, she's kind of humped up a little bit, but she hasn't bucked and, and not saying she's not going to, but I, I'm happy where I left her today. I was super proud of her. She just, her mind frame today was in the right place. She good, was just good. like, I'm happy to be with you today. And I, I was happy where I ended her too. Very good. So is there anything in particular about your methodology? I know that I saw you rope her feet and yep. move her with, like, not rope her feet. That that sounds wrong, you guys. Just <laughs> picked up her foot with the rope. Yeah, with her and rope. And kind of led her with her. What I've learned is if you get control of their feet, you get control of their brain. You know what I mean? There so if, if I can control her feet with just a rope, and lead her around with just a rope on her feet she's with me right and she's such a busy horse as it is that she kind of needs that to be with you and without you kind of pulling on her halter and all that yeah. so i rope their feet and i do it for a lot of reasons for for one we brand lots and rope and so they got to get used to ropes around their feet anyways and i've they get caught in a fence if they respect that pressure and release yes. of the rope being around their face or roping around their feet there and don't fight it don't fight it and they get caught into a fence you're gonna have a not a very high vet bill yeah yeah <laughs> and and it, it does and make a important. really big yeah and it does i've had horses that i've had horses in the fence all night and they've just stood there yeah waiting for you to come waiting, in, to come waiting for you to come and rescue i've had them. two yeah. two i know that have just waited for me yeah and that's yeah. a good feeling because mm -hmm. that uh, shows that they trust you super yeah. important and you might even i know i was out riding one time um and there was some old barbed wire that was kind of buried, yep, right? Didn't really good. see yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And the horse stepped in it and went to come, and it was caught around his leg, and he, he didn't freak out. Yep. So, and if they do, <laughs> you've, you've got a mess. And it can be traumatic for him, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I'm big on imprinting the proper things into these young horses now. Because yeah. when, they're, when they're five, six, seven years old, and you try to imprint them then it's kind of like it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks right yes. they're kind of again more set in their ways so yeah. we're lucky enough to be able to start them young and then do it right and then i know you worked girth pressure yep before you saddled up of course and yep. then you were also working uh, with the rope and using it as uh, as a as a bit yeah yeah no i'll do that like i'll put a like the shank of my halter in their mouth just because it's not as um 
not as rude, I guess, as a bit would be if you get it in there and they kind of get flapping around and wring it off their teeth. If they wring it off, a shank off their teeth, it doesn't hurt, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's just more respectful, I find. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, it gives respect. them a chance to get used to that feeling in their yeah. mouth. Yeah. And did she? I don't think she accepted it as great as I thought. But I thought, I thought she was actually quite yeah. accepting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. She just was a little nervous, but I think it was just the day. She just, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think if I maybe did it today, she might have been different about it. But. Yeah just wanted to get some other things accomplished today with her. Yeah. So have you have you picked up all four feet? I have picked up all four feet. Her three are really good. Her back right is it just a little more touchier. So some time to work on Yeah, her. we'll work on it tomorrow. And has she... I don't think I've got any notes on her going over a tarp. Or you've yeah. got the tarp right there. Yeah, like her. she's walked over the tarp, the bridge. You can throw that tarp on her. She yes. don't care. She's really nice about that stuff and really respectful and... Yeah. So you've accomplished a lot. It's just yeah, it's now lot. it's just the getting up and, and the actual riding. Yeah, like now we just kind of got get on her and get rolling. And, and But I've said it right from the get-go. I'm not going to put this horse in jeopardy. I'm not going to throw her to the wolves. Yes, I do remember say, that. And say, I want to win this competition. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what my program is about ever. It's about setting those horses up to go home in the right frame For of mind. For success. Yeah, that's yeah. how it is. Yeah, horses are so forgiving. You do have two or three times to maybe correct things, but if you do it right the first time, don't have to do it anymore, right? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So you can put the miles on. Yeah. But if you have a really good foundation. Exactly. You just go on and have fun. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) So if people want to get a hold of you, um, do you guys have a Facebook page? Yeah, Monroe Performance Horses is our Facebook page, and that's kind of where we do stuff. And that's Monroe without an, uh, an E on the end. Yeah, M-U-N-R-O and mm-hmm. yeah, we have a Facebook page, so if you guys want to tag, I don't know, I can tag it. I'm not good with it. That's my <laughs> wife, thank goodness for her. She, she deals with that, because I just I'm too old-fashioned, I guess. <laughs> You're too caught up with the horses. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not a technology guy. <laughs> no. do, you, do you have a website as well as a Facebook page? No, yeah. we are in the mix of making one, because okay. we're going to start having sale horses and oh that's good well so when people go to the facebook page it'll probably have the website once you get it made yeah once it gets my wife's working on it right now and we're gonna put some new stuff in there and just kind of show what our life's about really yeah it's great no that's awesome so yeah if you guys go check it out no i don't know if i asked you this question normally i have a better audio memory than that but um did we ask what other uh, trainers challenges you've been oh, in? Oh yeah, right now. No, we haven't. No. I was in a all equine show in London, Ontario, and that was my first one. That was in 2016, and. Uh, now that was back in London, Ontario. Now you moved here. You moved out west yep. when you were four. Four, yeah. Right. So what took you back to London, Ontario? Uh, I was just having a cup of coffee on my deck and someone <laughs> called me from London, Ontario and actually was Todd Bailey of Bailey Saddlery and he was kind of the guy looking for trainers for it and said would you be interested and for one I was like how do you get a hold of me because I didn't <laughs> <laughs> how did you find me? Yeah, and I just said yeah I'll talk to my wife and see what she thinks about it and we decided to go and got the W in there and won that one and it was it was a great time I was had an awesome, awesome experience there, and and then they Saskatoon asked me to come up to this one two years ago. Came here and did that, and had a great time there, and had a good horse. And they phoned me last year to do this one. Come and back and do come it back, again. and I said, "Oh, sure, might as well." And <laughs> have right fun. And yeah, no, I like doing them. They're neat. My outing, and 
have a good time. Oh, very good, Chris. Right on. Okay. Well, thank you so much no, for you. taking the time out with us, and we wish you the best of luck tomorrow. Thank you. You've got one more 45-minute session with your little yep. black filly, and then it's the show at the end. It's game time. It's game time, <laughs> yeah. 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 So best of luck to you thank with you. that, and thank you again for taking the time. Anytime. Thank you. Now, I do like the work Chris does with a horse's feet. So very important. You know, I think it's really good that you asked him that question and talked about that in the interview, because a lot of people wouldn't understand that, you know, like, what are you doing with his feet? Why are you doing that? Like, leave him alone. <laughs> but it's, it's a very important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty funny because Chris mentioned being a test dummy <laughs> at age 14. It made me recall... One of my not-so-favorite memories of being a test dummy when I was a young but somewhat capable rider. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think I recall any stories like that. Have you got one for us? Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I never really told you this one, I don't think. I never really thought about it until I heard him talk about test, you know, being a test dummy. And I thought, you know, like when I was learning how to ride and I was getting pretty good at it and I was at this stable and... Quite honestly, I, I was a good rider, quite capable. They were actually asking me when I was going to start teaching lessons. And I went like, I ain't doing that. I'm not good enough to teach <laughs> lessons. And so I didn't get flustered. And so they had this green horse and they said, well, get Sylvie up on him. And I didn't realize he was a green horse. I just, oh you know, like I, I, because I, I didn't really know that. They were just working with this horse and they said, well, put Sylvie up on him. And I had this brand new pair of breeks. Now I'm telling you, I had never owned a pair of breeks until I got this pair of breeks. Oh, so no. I had a brand new pair of breeks. And I'm up on this on this horse and I'm going around and everything's fine. And he's going faster and faster, but he's not very steady, you know, like he's not going straight and I'm getting rubbed into the wall. And they said, put your legs on him evenly, get him straightened out. And I said, well, what's wrong with him? They said, he doesn't know anything. And I'm going like, oh, great. <laughs> so, so anyway, I mean, I everything was fine, but I did rub up against the wall a couple of times and put a hole in my brand new pair of breeks. Oh, no. <laughs> we didn't have much That's money okay. back then. I remember those no. days. Not no. that we have a no, lot of I money now. No, I got it stitched up. I stitched it up pretty good. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, I think yeah. I only owned one pair of breeks in my life. <laughs> it was a pair of canary yellow breeks, which really should have been, I don't know, for what. Anyway, they were pretty fancy. Yeah. I just liked the color. Anyway, yeah. it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much for that. Now, I just thought we would... Uh, mention again we've talked before about the great exclusive content that we have in the form of interviews with all manner of olympians and other high profile athletes trainers veterinarians and many other experts in the equine industry and actors and actresses too lots of inspirational content in there yeah yeah and i absolutely love that with the free episode guide i can go in and look up a topic and review some of the information when i want to which I think yeah, well, these, inter these interviews are really great for, for anyone, but especially if you're a recovering rider, grounded for some injury or other health problem, or self-quarantine because of COVID-19 virus. <laughs> yeah, well, like, apparently a lot of the, all of the indoor riding arenas are now shutting down too, right? 
Oh, geez. They're considered no. in they're considered indoor recreation areas. Oh, so yes, yeah, so goodness. a lot of people are grounded. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, one of the things you can do is you can listen to podcasts and mm-hmm. you can listen to great interviews and that sort of thing. So, when listeners discover our podcast, they seem to like to listen to every episode from the very first to the most recent episode. Um, remember you mentioned earlier about the interview we did with Rod Olson in episode 184? That would oh, be a yeah, good yeah. interview for Yeah, that, that was in the in the middle of the interview, I think, okay? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would be a good interview for our listeners to look up. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering about our other earlier interviews, head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash inclined and look for products in the about section. Mm-hmm. And you'll find a link to the free episode guide, a link to the exclusive equine content subscription. And remember, the very low monthly subscription rate will continue to rise as more information is added. So don't wait to lock in at the lowest rate. Go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash inclined and look for our products in the about section. So Diana, you know, I have been looking at events and like you said, like, I mean, I had a few events to mention, but I think at this point, most everything is cancelled. Yeah. So what about the main event? Well, I, I was wondering about that too. And I went there and I had a look because I thought, ah, oh, you know, that's a long way off. But the end of April, they but aren't, I know they actually aren't sure if they're going to have the main event. It says on their website that they'll evaluate the situation and let people know via social media. Oh boy. So yeah, I know there's, there's still so many things you can do. I mean, if this had happened like, mm, I don't know, 30 years ago, Diana, we yeah. would have been sitting around in our homes, not being able to do a heck of a lot of anything. And that would have been awful. We would have been on the phone all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's wonderful that we have social media. And speaking of which, uh, when we're not too busy with our horses, we like to interact in the Equine Companion podcast group. Yeah. And, and you and I create a personalized welcome video for each new member. And we generally yeah, sometimes do that. It, sometimes that one's only me now. <laughs> yeah, well, we generally do it when we get together to record the new episode each week. But if there are delays, then you end up having to do it yourself. Yeah, I know. But now we're self-quarantining or self-isolating or whatever. So pretty much I have to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, Depending on when you make your join request, you might have to wait a little for for me to get around to it. Although, you know, we have been trying to get the episode out each Friday. And we're we're just going to have to see how that goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, for sure. We're going to have to do more interviews by distance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to miss not but, being able to go to the main event if it doesn't happen. Okay. So anyway... Um, hit the join button, go to the Facebook page, hit the join button. It would be great to see even more people engaging in the conversation. Yes. And you'll see the pictures of our horse people meet up in San Diego. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's more things you'd see in the group that you won't see on the page. So when you join as a member, please remember to answer the three questions when going through the join process. We have lots of good reasons for asking our um, new members to do this. So um, that would be really appreciated if you could. Mm -hmm. And how can our listeners find the group again? Sure. Just to reiterate, to join the group, go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash equinelyinclined and click on visit group. 
located at the top right of the page on desktop, and you can't really miss it on mobile. It's kind of right there. In your face. Answer the questions. <laughs> yeah, answer the questions, please, and we'll see you on the inside. And, you know, if people are not on Facebook, please let us know what your favorite social media platform is. You can reach us by email at podcast at canadaequine.com. Hey, did you know that when you like our page, you'll hear your name when we welcome you at the spot in the next episode? Yeah, we always like to welcome our newest visitors to the Equinely Inclined Facebook page. And so, while you're on the page, click the like button and we can welcome you here in the next episode. That's so much fun. And speaking of which, right now, we'd like to give a big welcome to Carissa from Regina, Saskatchewan. Oh, and Corinne from somewhere. Jennifer from somewhere. And Crystal from Newfoundland and Labrador. Allison from St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. And is there one more? Yeah, Cheryl from somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people don't like to put where they're from. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, you know... (laughs) I really want to get our next episode out next week. We're so behind. And all things being equal, and we both stay well. Mm, Of course. And let's keep in mind that spring starts tonight, Diana. So (laughs) I think it's spring now, actually. (laughs) I'm trying to do my little videos on listening to the snow crunch or squeak. Oh, yes. Spring is coming around the corner, but I think it's going to be minus 17 here tonight. Celsius. Yeah, we're having an unusually cold March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the typical is in like a lion, out like a lamb, but yeah. uh, it, it's doing a whole lot of roaring this year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that our listeners realize that our Facebook group members are usually the first ones to know what's going on? I don't know. For example, upcoming interviews we're going to have, or when the episode comes out, or when we've run into a problem and can't record. Yeah, so if you want to make sure you're seeing all the Facebook Live videos, like the Facebook page and join the Facebook group because there's extra engagement there. It's true. I'm always up for more Facebook Lives for our listeners, right, Diana? Right. (laughs) You are good at that. And as always, if you're one of those horse crazy people, or if you know a horse crazy person who doesn't know how to fill that horseless void, let us know. We want to help. And please find someone new to introduce to the world of horses. Which is not easy right now. No, but you no, know you can true. do it. No, you can do it. You can you can you can you can introduce people to your horses through social media. You can do it. There you go. <laughs> and anyway, so until our next episode, bye from Sylvia Schneider. And Diana Belbar. And give your horses big hugs for us. <laughs>